Do you think it should be a mental health diagnosis in itself, or do you think it's usually uh, goes hand in hand with something else? I I think there's always a danger of over pathologizing um, uh, perfectionism and perfectionistic tendencies because perfectionism and perfectionist tendencies seem to be all around us, and I think we have to be very careful that it's a spectrum. And of course, you know, there will be people who suffer tremendously from perfectionism, those people who are very high on the spectrum. And Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential, no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, a psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of five books on mental strength. Every Monday, I introduce you to a guest whose story and expertise can inspire you to think, feel, and do your best in life. And the fun part is, we record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Do you avoid doing anything where you know you aren't likely to succeed? Do you worry about what other people would think of you if you failed at something? Are you really hard on yourself when you make a mistake? If any of those questions sound familiar, today's episode is for you. We're talking about perfectionism. I found that sometimes perfectionism is a problem in itself. At other times, it's a symptom of another problem. Childhood trauma is often the root cause of perfectionism. Sometimes perfectionism leads to a mental health issue. Like it might cause someone to work such long hours that they don't have healthy relationships. Then, because they feel lonely and they feel a lot of stress, they might become perfectionists. Sometimes perfectionism is driven by society, though. There's a lot of pressure to look perfect, to perform perfectly, and to avoid failure at all costs. So if you struggle with perfectionism, just know that you're not alone. And no one knows this better than Thomas Curran, a perfection researcher who also happens to be a recovering perfectionist. He's a professor of psychology at the London School of Economics. His TED Talk on perfectionism has more than 3 million views. And now he has a new book called The Perfection Trap. Some of the things he talks about today are how perfectionism impacts your mental health, why perfectionists often self-sabotage, and the steps that can help you recover from perfectionism. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Thomas's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Thomas Curran on overcoming perfectionism. Thomas Curran, welcome to Mentally Stronger. Thanks for having me, Amy. Look forward to our chat. Yeah, so am I, because you talk a lot about perfectionism, and it's something that a lot of people see as a badge of honor these days, where they say, well, I'm just a bit of a perfectionist. In fact, I think when a lot of uh, hiring managers ask people, like, what's your biggest strength or what's your biggest weakness? And sometimes people, as their weakness, will say, well, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but it's sort of like they're bragging about being a perfectionist. But you make it abundantly clear that being a perfectionist isn't anything that's going to help us. In fact, it's going to hold us back. Yeah, it's the most overused cliche in uh, job interviews. Recruiters cite the phrase, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, is something that they hear all the time. Um, but I think it makes perfect sense why we, why we signal our suitability in that way. I think we live in a world that 
does demand exceptional standards, perfect standards perhaps. And we don't think anybody is looking for anything less than perfection. So I understand it and I've certainly been uh, in that position myself. But it is important to recognize that actually when you look in, into the data, uh, when you actually really drill into what perfectionism really is, you see a very different picture. Uh, it's not something that holds us up in the world. It's not something that pushes us forward and makes us successful. In fact, uh, you find it's the very opposite. And, and that's why I wanted to write the book really was to try to break through some of those myths and uh, and try to convince people that this perhaps isn't, isn't the uh, insignia of worth that you think it is. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit then about the downsides. What's the what are the bad parts about being a perfectionist? Mental health struggles are a big one. Uh, perfectionism is correlated very strongly with uh, negative mental health outcomes and quite a litany of mental health outcomes, actually. Things like depression, anxiety, uh, ruminative thoughts, brooding, self-presentational uh, concerns, low self-esteem. Um, and the reason it's so highly correlated with all the, those different outcomes is because essentially what perfectionism is at root is a deficit kind of deficits thinking where we believe that we're not perfect enough, that we're not good enough, uh, and that we're trying to move about the world proving to other people and everyone and all around us that we're, we matter, that, that that's at some level that we're not flawed and we're not this imperfect person that we know deep down we are. And of course, if you go through life thinking those things, you're going to need other people's validation. And when it doesn't arrive, when you hit setbacks and challenge, then that can have a massive impact on the self-esteem, the way that we feel about ourselves, creates a lot of anxious thoughts, a lot of low mood. So we overcompensate, set even higher goals, which we inevitably fail to meet. And you begin to see this really negative cycle that can impact on our mental health. Um, but it's not just uh, um, men mental health struggles um, it's also loneliness. We know perfectionistic people tend to move away from others, um, particularly when they feel like they might be judged uh, negatively. Um, so they, they tend to recoil from social situations, things like job interviews, perhaps presentations where they feel like perhaps they might be judged critically um, because their one main uh, concern is how they appear to other people. And if they're going into situations where they think that that perfect facade might be shattered in some way, they will move themselves away. So we also see issues around loneliness and social disconnection among perfectionistic people as well. So certainly mental health struggles are the main reason why I think we need to be aware of, of some of the issues around perfectionism. And I'm a therapist, so I'll see a lot of people come into my office sometimes with perfectionistic tendencies but they get diagnosed, like perfectionism isn't a mental health diagnosis in itself, but they get diagnosed with other things because of the behaviors look similar. So for example, I had a woman who uh, would set these health goals for herself and she'd get like three quarters of the way there and then she'd sabotage it. And she would say, you know, like, I, I just don't understand why I can't do this. Well, part of it was her anxiety was so high that she was going to somehow fail that she'd kind of blow it on purpose. Or I had a kid who came into my office who'd been diagnosed with ADHD because they said, you know, he can never get anything done. Well, the reason he couldn't get anything done and stay on task was because he was a perfectionist. Do you think it should be a mental health diagnosis in itself or do you think it's usually uh, goes hand in hand with something else? I, I think there's always a danger of over-pathologizing um, issues. Uh, perfectionism and perfectionistic tendencies because perfectionism and perfectionist tendencies seem to be all around us and I think we have to be very careful that it's a spectrum and of course you know there will be people who suffer tremendously from perfectionism those people who are very high on the spectrum and, and there'll be people who have you know 
issues and difficulties with managing this trade, but it isn't something that would, we would will be a cause for um, excessive concern. And then there'll be some people who are really low, and it's not having much of an impact on the low at all, uh, um, to a very great degree, and everywhere um, in between. I think it's really useful to think of perfectionism in those terms. Now, clearly, those who really struggle, who who have very, score very highly, and I, I speak in from personal experience here. Um, will suffer tremendous psychological difficulties and mental distress that come from, as you mentioned, an inability to derive any lasting satisfaction from success, an inability to move forward, kind of state of paralysis, but because, as you mentioned, perfectionists are world-class self-sabotagers and they'll, they'll, they'll want to avoid failure and challenge to such a degree that they'll sabotage the chances of success. That's the main uh, imperative of the perfectionist is to not screw up, is to not show to the world any chink in the armory because um, when those things occur, they know how embarrassed they feel, how shameful they feel, how guilty they feel when they've done those things. And those emotions are so intense that they'll do everything they can to avoid them. Um, So yes, those on the very high end of perfectionism, it certainly would be a cause for concern when it comes to psychological issues. And I would encourage anyone who feels that perfection is having a profound impact on their life to to seek help because that's so, so important. Can people be a perfectionist in one area of their life, but not all areas? Yes, everybody has an idealized image, things that are important to them, the person that they want to project into the world. And of course, that idealized image will be different for everybody. So for me, it might be, for instance, I want to be the perfect professor. I want to give erudite speeches. I want to make sure that everybody reads my work and comes away from it having felt this person knows what they're talking about. They're across the detail of their subject and all the rest of it. Some people will have that same image, but in their own workplace, some people will have it in their sports or in their education. There'll be different domains of our lives which are really important to us, which we want to show in some level of competence or hyperfunctionality in those domains. And so absolutely, you'll be more triggered in those domains when things go wrong than you will be in perhaps other domains. So for me, if if I've given a really bad talk, for example, that's going to be have a massive impact on my uh, the way I feel about myself. But if I go to five-a-side football <laughs> and um, put in a really bad performance, well, I'm less concerned about those things, right? Because this is the person I'm trying to project into the world. And, and when things go wrong there, it has a really big impact. So um, it's definitely, there are, it's, there will be domains and areas of our lives where we where perfectionists will have a more uh, profound impact. But the research is pretty clear that if you're a perfectionist, then you'll probably carry those tendencies into most areas of life. And do perfectionists know that they're perfectionists? <laughs> this is such a good question. Um, well, there's a there's a debate here. Most people who who, who um, would, would consider themselves to be self-confessed perfectionists won't see perfectionism as a problem because they'll think that perfectionism is the one thing holding them up in the world when everything and all around them it feels like it's coming down, right? Like perfectionism is what's helping me come through these difficult uh, circumstances when actually it's the perfectionism that's amplifying and making those circumstances more difficult to deal with. Um, so being, being brought to that awareness is, is, is a big challenge for perfectionistic people because they really want to hold on to it closely and, and as for as long as it possibly can. They don't want to let it go. So that's, that's one difficulty with perfectionism. And the, and the other difficulty which I think you're driving at there is that some people don't consider themselves to be particularly perfectionistic. Um, they, they don't recognize that um, what's underneath a lot of their um, struggles is, is, a, is a perfectionistic 
a belief system which basically tells them that they're not enough and then have to keep striving and have to keep working uh, they feel like because they're not exceptional that they're not perfect in every possible way then they can't possibly be a perfectionist um and of course again that's <laughs> then people in those circumstances also need to be brought to awareness that actually that's, that's perfectionism that's what perfectionism is it's a, a deficit type of thinking where we don't feel like we're good enough or we don't feel like we're perfect enough when we're trying uh, as much as hard as we possibly can to look appear and perform perfectly in every possible way this is the first time in my life when i haven't had a pet up until two years ago i had jackson a 19 year old himalayan cat and fiona a 17 year old english springer spaniel both of them lived on the sailboat and adjusted pretty well to life on the water. I miss them, and I look forward to getting another pet when the time is right. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of the family, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com stronger. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com stronger. Again, that's ASPCA petinsurance.com slash stronger. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency, LIM. Do you want to get high quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, and you can pick a curated plan, or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. So... Can you talk a little bit about deficit thinking, how somebody who makes a mistake who's a perfectionist might think differently from somebody else who makes a mistake? Yeah, there's something, there's something intently personal about uh, perfectionism. Um, everything is personal. And I, I talk in the book about how in, in modern culture we have this idea that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, that we have to keep pushing through the pain and discomfort, and that's what's the secret really to a life. Um, well lived, but perfectionism is is make it makes takes that mantra, I suppose, and puts it on steroids. It 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 forces us to um, push, 
keep driving, keep trying, keep working through what really quite significant grief and pain. And when we need to stop, when we need to slow down, when we need to heal and rejuvenate, we simply can't because perfectionism is kind of like trying to chase uh, the horizon. The closer we get, the further it gets from our reach. And it never allows us to be satisfied. It never allows us to feel uh, contentment that we have to just keep pushing and striving and doing more and more and more. And that's a very exhausting and draining um, way to strive, live. And there are far healthier ways that we can um, get the same benef benefits in terms of performance outcomes, but with far less struggle, with far less um, uh, stress. Uh, conscientiousness, for instance, is one in the literature that we could point to. Uh, conscientious people don't strive from a de deficit place, they strive from an active, optimistic place of wanting to do more, wanting to improve, uh, wanting to do better, sorry, want wanting to uh, improve, wanting uh, to grow, but knowing that that's not going to be a straight line and that sometimes we're going to encounter setbacks, sometimes we're going to uh, encounter challenge and all of those things are part and parcel of that learning and growing process. Our imperfections are simply what make us humans and uh, we're going to encounter setbacks because of those imperfections and that's okay we can let it go perfectionist hit people simply just cannot let it go they have to keep pushing they have to keep striving they have to keep this sense of needing to be in control uh, and perfecting everything and all around them and of course that's a very difficult uh, thing to do because it's simply impossible and there are different kinds of perfectionists, right? In your book, you talk about three different kinds of perfectionists. Yeah, so over many, many decades now, um, and this is research that's done by people who are far uh, more esteemed than I am, uh, in particular, uh, psych psychologist Paul Hewitt and Gordon Flett, talk to perfectionistic people. They just talk to them and ask them, what does perfection look like? What are the thoughts, feelings, the behaviors that... Um, uh, that characterize this um, personality trait. And what they found over many decades of interactions was that perfectionism was way, way more than just high standards, the high standards we set for ourselves um, and the inner need to be perfect. This is called self-oriented perfectionism. So I need to be perfect, nothing but perfect. But actually there is a social element to this too and a very important social element at that, that perfectionistic people don't just have high standards for themselves, but also they feel the world around them and other people are expect them to be perfect at all times and nothing but perfect. And they're waiting and they're watching and, and they're going to judge us harshly when we haven't been perfect. And also there's a projection and an outward projection of perfectionism that seems to occur in perfectionistic people whereby they take this perfectionist standards that they're putting on themselves and expect that those same standards of other people, right? So it's called other-oriented perfectionism. So I expect you to be perfect. Uh, and nothing but perfect. And all of these three elements of perfection, they're really uh, tied together by this um, inner deficit, this inner, inner feeling that we're not enough and that at some level we've got to prove to ourselves and other people that we matter. And, and, and the way that we prove to other people that we matter is that we're, we're perfect. So uh, those are the three elements. And one of the problems is, is people often get praised for their behavior that stems from perfectionism, right? We get called a hard worker or you get told that, that you're doing an amazing job. And I know a lot of perfectionists who will pretend like, yeah, I, I barely worked on that thing, yet they were like up all night, all week long, working <laughs> as hard as they could to make it happen. But then they want to act like, oh, it was really nothing. 
just in case it doesn't go well. Because if you say, hey, I didn't study for that test and I got an F on it, well, then I have an excuse why I failed. But if I tell you, hey, I've been studying all day and all night, all week, and then I fail, then it's extra awful, right? <laughs> and yet most perfectionists that I know have sort of perfected the art of looking perfect to other people. And so a lot of people have no idea how much these people are struggling because they look like they have it all together. And it's not until they come into my therapy office and really say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this, that, that they then start to open up. But sometimes it's even really hard for them to open up and talk about in therapy. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, and actually you see this a lot uh, in the university campus. I think um, it's Duke called, I've called this duck syndrome where, you know, they're serenely floating on the surface but paddling frantically uh, underneath. I think that's a very good description of uh, a lot of my uh, students, a lot of young people that I interact with because it's about the impression management. Um, perfectionism really is about managing impressions on the surface uh, while underneath everything seem, is very frantic and very hectic uh, as long as we're seen to be a, a nailing it you know right. <laughs> completely crushing it like no problem no problem then that's the that's the main um, imperative but of course that creates a lot of conflict right inner conflict in ourselves is between the perfect person that we're trying to project into the world and this kind of this person that's really struggling and finding things tough and having to work really hard uh, that's going on um, underneath and um, that that over time can really create a lot of um, psychological difficulties um, and as I say particularly when uh, things don't go to plan and when that perfect facade has been smashed in some way, um, that has a profound impact on our on our well-being. Um, and in order to salvage that that perfect self that we're trying to project into the world, we kind of overcompensate. And, and as I mentioned, so begins that negative uh, cycle that you begin to see with the perfectionist person. So, yeah, like uh, managing impressions, trying to make it look like we're smashing it effortlessly, um, is a very very telltale sign of someone with perfectionist tendencies. And what about social media? Used to be our lives were still kind of private and you didn't have to worry too much about what you were putting out there into the world. Now there's this pressure to look perfect and to act like your life is perfect. How has that fueled this whole perfectionism trap? Yeah, social media is, uh, what well, social media is kind of an advertising device, isn't it? I mean, that's where the revenue streams come from. And so in some ways it's no different to analog advertising that's been with us for many, many decades. However, there's an important, I guess, one important, a couple of important differences. One is that it's everywhere, 24-7. We have it on our possession, wherever we go, wherever we are. That's the first thing to say. Uh, there's no respite. Um, but secondly, we are the content creators um, whose, uh, the algorithms, whose, alg whose content algorithms are sorting and sifting to create that aura of discontent. There's catnip for targeted ads. And so... Um, really, there is no <laughs> better way to create a, a consumption device and to take um, millions and millions and millions of uh, pieces of content of perfect lives and lifestyles that have been curated by people out there in the big wide world to sort them, sift them, uh, and throw them back at us like a hall of mirrors of limitless perfection. And of course, what, what are we supposed to do in that context? We're supposed to think these things are normal, natural obtainable, desirable, and, and we internalize them as perfectionistic standards and expectations. Now, and that's not to say, by the way, that things aren't changing and getting better. I think there is a counterculture occurring right now where people are realizing this. They're saying, oh, hold on, this perhaps isn't the healthiest way uh, to consume 
social media and perhaps we need to rethink it and use social media for what it was originally intended for was to bring people together around common interests and share information and help to enliven each other's lives and i really i really do feel there's a particularly among young people, a really strong counterculture occurring right now. But that doesn't mean to say that the damage hasn't been done and there, that there, there is a lot of pressure and expectation still in social media. And certainly that, that's behind some of this rise in perfectionism. So what helps? For somebody who says, all right, I'm definitely a perfectionist, what do you recommend that they do? Well, the first thing to say is I, I'm, not, I'm not a clinical psychologist, Amy. So this is really, this, this, this is a... Uh, um, not my. Uh, I'm not overly comfortable with uh, giving out advice because I think my, I'd be very hypocritical because in my life I've also found it very difficult to do with perfectionism, and some of the things I found very difficult to put into place and and um, and uh, do consistently. But what? But what? Are, there were, are a couple of things um, I think have helped me. The first is really almost like a very philosophical shift. But the moment I started to let life happen a little bit more rather than try to happen in the world all the time was the moment I started to be able to release things, to accept that I'm an imperfect human being and imperfect human beings do things wrong, they make mistakes, they are uh, put in challenging situations and, and the world will happen to them in ways they can't control, you know, heartbreak, grief, um, we lose our jobs, uh, a global pandemic comes along, screws everything up. These things, we just can't control and the moment you accept that like radically accept that there is a limit to what you can do and can perfect in the world and that's okay that's part and parcel of life then um, that really helps uh, deal with setback challenge in a healthier way take them on take them in your stride find what you can learn from them expect them and 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 uh, become a lot more resilient, actually, in those situations. Um, now, that's a mindset. I, I know it's not really helpful for listeners in terms of a practical, like what could I practically do, but I do think as a, like a broad mindset shift, that's really helped me. Uh, what's helped me on a more practical basis? Well, I've, well, I've made sure that I'm at all times when I have made those mistakes uh, and setbacks, and I'm very kind to myself. Self-compassion is, is something I practice a lot, um, and it's really helped me to turn the uh, volume down on that inner critic not to say it's never there it's not, whenever there's a bad review or I've made a mistake there's always that bit, uh, voice in the back of my mind that's telling me oh how could you be so stupid what are you thinking but nevertheless like you quickly reframe quickly reframe turn those those uh, negative thoughts into into more compassionate kind thoughts uh, to ourselves and to other people I think that's uh, also really important and and thirdly perfectionists have a really difficult time quite black and white thinking uh, it's you know it has to it's got to be it's very rigid um and it and it creates a lot of uh difficulty um being flexible when uh when things don't quite pan out the way we'd hope uh, and so I, I definitely started to write down my thoughts uh, you know, i must do this by x time and ask myself actually you know to what extent is that a must or is it a like to or is it a could if i'm a, if i can if i have the time you know, just to soften those really hard, rigid beliefs and reframe, like think of more compassionate, constructive, realistic ways to, to move forward and really work on that. Um, because that's, that's, that help, that's certainly helped me prioritize what's important and get out of that really rigid black and white type kind of thinking. Um, so those are the three big ones. Uh, there are other tips I would have for things like procrastination, you know, short, 
uh, time frames. Give yourself a um, very short amount of time, five, 10 minutes just to get started. Because if you get started, you're more likely to finish. So that also helps you break through that paralysis that comes with perfectionism. So there are many, you know, I talk about it in the book, there are many, many uh, different things we can do. But I think at a, at a broad level, it's about trying to become a little bit easier and letting life just wash over us a little bit more. And something we'll have to do in the therapy office sometimes is purposely make mistakes and then mm-hmm. so that people can then figure out, okay, it's not the end of the world. But what mm-hmm. I'll find is, you know, I'm, like if it's a teenager and we say, let's hand in your homework with a purposeful mistake on it. First of all, their anxiety gets really high. And then often mm-hmm. their parents' anxiety gets really high because perfectionism sometimes runs in the family. And... But then we get to experiment with like, okay, if you didn't get 100 on that paper, like how awful was it? And did, did the world stop turning? Or for people mm-hmm. who think that they have to be perfect in the eyes of their friends or of their family, when they say, you know, like, let's talk to your friend about a failure and see what happens. Do they still like you? People will often then say, all right, the world isn't necessarily the way that I thought it was. There's not as much pressure to be perfect than as I thought that there was if I make a mistake things can be okay. That's so important. That's great. And actually, it, it's really good to talk to people like you, Amy, because I think your, your insights as a, as a clinician are, are really crucial here. Um, the, the, and particularly on that catastrophizing piece, perfectionists people will catastrophize all the time. And, but they're having their mind's eye what they think is going to happen. And actually, when you, as you mentioned, if you put yourself out there, you be courageous and do it, just fear the fear, do it anyway. You, f- you find that it's not as bad as you thought it was, even if you don't do it well or perfectly or exceptionally, but actually like, you know, it's, it's fine. It's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. And if anything, there's a sigh of relief. Like everybody around us kind of sees that we're just a human being. And that sometimes there's something, co- there's, there's a real powerful moment where we kind of share in that common imperfection in some way. I know I've made mistakes in talks and I've admitted to mistakes in, in my research. And suddenly you see you, my students or my um, uh, postgraduate mentees just kind of almost kind of just breathe a sigh of relief that this person they thought was this perfect prof has actually got, you know, has revealed some imperfection, which is just common to everyone. So I think there's something really liberating actually about embracing our imperfections and being willing to put ourselves out there and, and hit setbacks and fairies. I think there's something really liberating about that. Yeah, and the research is pretty clear, right? Nobody likes you because you're perfect. They like you when they can relate to the mistakes that you've made or they understand that you have the same emotions they have. But there is this pressure and facade sometimes of thing like I'm going to pretend as though I I don't struggle with the same things other people do because I am perfect. <laughs> fake it, fake it till you make it, right? right. That's very common, yeah. But it's the I think it's I think there's a lot of pressure to feel, to 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 behave like that, and it's and and as I mentioned in the book, I think it's just as much as a, a social thing that we need to deal with collectively as it is individual. Have you found as you've worked on this and you've started talking about it and tried to address it in your own life, if you make a mistake now, is it not as scary as it used to be? Oh goodness! I still scary. Like uh, there are still moments where, like even now, like I, I've, I've written a book. I know you've written books and uh, everybody's gone through that process in an information age. The next day of release, you'll get feedback. Right, right. <laughs> you don't even get time to breathe. Like, and just like put it out into the world and just say, okay, I'm going to go on vacation now. It's like, no, there's going to be somebody somewhere who's read it, who likes it, doesn't like it, thinks it's okay and all the rest and everything everywhere in between. And you're going to have to be bombarded with feedback about how you're doing, uh, whether it was any good uh, all the time. So to your question, 
do I, do you still feel that in your bones? Yes, of course you do. Yes, of course you do. You know, you, you, you're going to take it personally at some level because, uh, you know, that's what you've worked on for three years of your life and it matters. But the most important thing is to, as, as I mentioned, try to, to see that in the broader scheme of what you've achieved. Look back and actually see you've created something. You've put something into the world for other people to use and appreciate. And that's really important. And it doesn't matter if one person thinks it's not very good like that's just the way life is sometimes not everybody's gonna like everything you do um it's it's part and parcel of really just <laughs> living in a world where there's so many different opinions and and people have different tastes and all the rest of it and that's okay like don't take it try not to take it personally try to see it as, um see it in the round and and this is a really remarkable achievement and that's the most important thing this is all part of the self-compassion by the way it's all part of the self-kindness all part of that reframing of those moments of difficulty where you make mistakes or people don't like what you do or they give you some negative feedback it's all about trying to um see it in the round and and recognize that this is just part and parcel of, of life and that's okay and do you feel like it's always going to be a work in progress for you that you're never going to wake up one day and say all right this is i've conquered this or do you feel like it's something you're going to constantly work on I, I don't think you ever like really fully come, uh, can come overcome perfectionism, particularly because there's a very strong genetic component, about 30 to 40% is genetic. And we live in a world that radiates perfection. So those two things really create a lot of, um, a lot of challenge. But I think the, the, so I, I think for me, and the reason I wrote the book is really educate and bring to aware, people's awareness that this is, you know, this is a, this is not something that's holds us up. It's something that can really have a profound impact on our lives in a negative way. And once we can recognize that, that's the first thing. The second thing is to understand where, where the majority of it comes from in the outside world, trying to manage impressions and the pressures of perfection that are coming from all sorts of different directions. And to realize that actually, you know, at root, this isn't our fault. You know, it's it's something bigger than us as a broader context. And and if we can, if that takes a lot of personal power of not being unable to snap out of it. If we can recognize that the, you know, this is kind of almost in some way the way we're supposed to feel. Uh, and from there, you know, you can begin to work on the, the, the techniques and, and things that I've, I've mentioned. And that's not to say that you're ever going to get to a point where you completely have moved all the way down to perfectionism spectrum that you just don't have any of it. I think there'll always be a little bit of perfectionism in everyone, but at the same time, you can work on it, you can manage, you can move yourself down that spectrum. And that's really, I think, the most important thing. And the journey, the journey is the, is the point. <laughs> it's not the destination. You know, we're working on ourselves, we're trying to be kind to ourselves, trying to uh, love and appreciate our imperfect humanity. And that is the most important thing. So putting ourselves on that journey is, is the most crucial thing, not worrying about uh, the destination. I think so much is also important. Then last question for you, because I know a lot of perfectionists worry if they take their foot off the gas that their work is going to decline. Since you've started working on this, have you put out lower quality work or has your workload declined at all? I've I've just got well in my again n of one but like in my own uh, world and my own life since I really like tried started to let go of perfectionism and realised it was a problem then I've really gone from strength to strength um, TED talks and books and all the rest of it and this is just n of one so it's not you know not very scientific but we also see this in the data um, and. You know, perfectionism is not very strongly correlated with performance. A lot of people scratch their heads at that, but it does make sense when you really drill into what perfectionism is. 
uh, perfectionists work hard, but they work unsustainably hard, so they burn out. And but they're also world class self sabotages, as we talked about. You know, they avoid failure to the point of sabotaging their chance of success, and that is not in any way the ticket to higher performance. Um, and so, being able to let things go allows us to be more creative, allows us to take risks, it allows us to approach failure in a really healthy way by seeing it as a challenge and something that we can learn and grow from. And we know that when people approach tasks in this manner that they're more likely to uh, experience higher performance, not um, uh, because they're focused on the performance, but just as a byproduct of being open to learning and curious and taking risks. And those things, uh, as we know, are really important to performance. So, um, yeah, that would be the main message for perfectionistic people listening, that if you think, if you're worried about letting go of this because you think it's going to hold back your success, well, the data and lots of people's experiences uh, suggest completely the opposite, actually, if you're able to let it go then you're likely to be more successful. Well, I think you've probably given a lot of perfectionists some, some hope today. Thomas Curran, <laughs> thank you so much for being on Mentally Stronger. And we'll link to your TED Talk and to the perfection trap in our show notes so our listeners can learn more about you. Thank you, Amy. It's been great to chat. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Thomas's mental strength building strategies and share how to apply them to your own life. Here are three of my favorite strategies that Thomas shared. Number one, think about the downsides of perfectionism. It's really easy to get caught up into thinking that if you pressure yourself to be perfect, you'll somehow do better. Or you might think being perfect will help you gain admiration or respect from other people. But as Thomas points out, there are lots of downsides to perfectionism. It's associated with loneliness, increased mental health problems, and actually poorer performance. Just thinking about those downsides might remind you to stop striving for perfection all the time. Number two, practice self-compassion. When you start putting pressure on yourself to be perfect, take a deep breath and remind yourself, it's okay, you don't have to do everything perfectly all the time. Respond to your thoughts with some kindness. When you make a mistake or you fail, it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. Instead, you can look at it as the fact that you're brave enough to try to do hard things. The automatic thoughts, though, that pop up into your head will probably be kind of harsh, but you can choose how to respond to them. You don't have to believe everything that you think. So I like that Thomas talked about the importance of using self-compassion. Talk to yourself the same way you talk to a trusted friend, with kindness, and give yourself grace. Number three, Perform behavioral experiments. It's tough to talk yourself out of striving for perfection. Your brain can be really convincing. That's where behavioral experiments come in. You might have to send an email with a typo in it just to see that nothing awful will happen. Or force yourself to ask a question in a meeting, even when you're afraid people are going to judge you. You might see that all your negative predictions aren't true. When you prove your brain wrong, you'll see that maybe you don't have to be a perfectionist. If that alone, though, raises your blood pressure, just the thought of making a mistake, it could be a sign that you could really benefit from practicing making mistakes on purpose just to see what happens. So those are three things that can help with perfectionism. Think about the downsides, practice self-compassion, and perform behavioral experiments. To learn more about how to overcome perfectionism, check out Thomas's book, The Perfection Trap. 
If you know someone who could benefit from hearing more about how to overcome perfectionism, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link to this episode could help someone feel better and grow stronger. Do you want free access to my online course? It's called 10 Mental Strength Exercises That Will Help You Reach Your Greatest Potential. To get your free pass, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then send us a screenshot of your review. Our email address is podcast at amymorinlcsw.com. We'll reply with your all-access pass to the course. Thank you for hanging out with me today and for listening to Mentally Stronger. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, who may have a touch of perfectionism, Nick Valentine.